Okay, so we're starting off here on episode 17 of the Dollar Otter Podcast, where today I want to talk about credit reports and credit scores. Now, these two things, they go hand in hand, obviously, because what's going to happen is you're going to pull your credit report, and it's going to give you a credit score at the top. And these are based off three credit reporting agencies. These are the three big, gigantic monsters, if you will, the huge enchiladas that's going to determine your credit scores. And what's funny is, even though these three credit reporting agencies calculate a score, all three scores are typically different. But that's okay. So three, the three different credit reporting agencies, you're going to have your Experian, you're going to have your TransUnion, and then the final and third is going to be Equifax. Now, in 2012, let's talk about a little bit of history about why you need to check your credit report and check your credit score. In 2012, the Federal Trade Commission issued a study per congressional mandate that required FTC to examine consumer errors within these three agencies. And so a couple years went by, and during this two-and-a-half-year period, they did the research, they did the study, and what surprised me consumers and even the congressional delegates is that 20% of the reports within these credit reports and credit scoring had significant errors. So that's why you're going to hear me harp and you hear a lot of financial analysts, financial planners say you need to check your credit report. They say at least once a year. Now, if you're waiting 12 months to check your credit report, that's far way too long. So I recommend that you check it at least once quarterly. There's a lot of different avenues, a lot of different companies out there. Even a lot of banks nowadays will let you check it on a regular basis. It usually typically updates once a month, but I would encourage you just kind of skim through it. You know, the first time you look at your credit report, really kind of do a deep dive. Set aside about 30 minutes. That's really all it's going to take. And just comb through there and make sure that the companies that they're putting on those credit reports that either you owe debt to or maybe you've made payments to in the past, that it's accurate. And then after that, on a quarterly basis, you only need to spend about five minutes because all you're doing is kind of combing through there and just seeing if anything sticks out, anything is out of the ordinary. The second part is how many of you shop online? You know, we just got the holidays out of the way. Christmas is sailed, it's gone. But every one of us, I guaranteed, at least 99% of us shopped online. We probably bought stuff through Target or Walmart, eBay, Amazon, most likely Amazon. And that puts you at risk. And that's another reason why you need to check your credit report because with millions and millions of people getting their identity stolen and financial data stolen on almost like a regular recurring basis, you can never be too cautious and too sure. In fact, in 2016, Bankrate.com reported that 41 million U.S. adults, that's 41 million, were victims. Okay, that's 13% of the U.S. population. And because it's such a large number, the FTC had to do something. So what did they do? Well, they had to establish a website based off Congress, basically. And what they did is they established a website called IdentityTheft.gov. This gives you resources, gives you tools, gives you information of how to recover your information. Now, I'm going to be frank with you. I'm going to be honest. You can't really recover what's stolen, but you can take actions, and they're going to tell you exactly who to call. The first thing you're going to do, what the report's going to tell you on the website, is that you need to call those three credit reporting agencies. You need to report it immediately, and then call the company that's on the credit report and try to dispute that. Now, because we're, it's January, mid-January right now, the government shutdown 
has actually shut down this website, which I don't mean to laugh, but it's a website. I mean, are they really maintaining that on a daily basis? So I guess when the government's back up and running, you could probably go to that website. So next, what we need to talk about is the credit score itself. We talked a little bit about the credit reports, and so the credit score. And there used to be, there's actually a lot more transparency on how credit scores are established. Because in the past, probably up to about 10 years ago, nobody had a clue. Nobody knew what they were calculating, how it was going in there. And is it a fair process? I'd say it's mildly fair. There's definitely some ambiguity to it, but it's what we have, it's what we have to deal with, which is why not too many people can get above, you know, one of the highest scores over 800. But anyway, aside from that, let's talk about credit score. Now, the credit score itself, you've probably heard of the term FICO. FICO is a brand name derived from the company Fair Isaac Corporation. That's where they get the term from. It was introduced in 1989 that basically forever changed the landscape for all consumers. Now, credit risk scoring itself was created in 1960. That's probably going to shock a lot of you because a lot of us probably didn't even have a clue that there was a, even a credit score back then. And there's a lot of different factors that kind of go into this, but we're going to try to break it down, try to keep it simple. Um, but before we do that, let's talk about something else. Today, financial institutions, so think of banks, they rely heavily on a borrower's FICO score to determine several factors. You know, some of the things we're looking at is how likely is the person to repay back the loan? That's obvious, right? What type of character is the person? And then how is this person's consumer behavior? Now, working as a bank analyst for several years, I can tell you they harped and they hounded on the four C's. And one of those C's was character. And so whenever bank personnel and bank portfolio managers were sitting down talking to clients who were interested in loans, while they were looking at the personal information, they definitely had a high interest in really trying to get a feeler out on what kind of character that person is that's applying for the loan. So you may not know that because obviously that's not one of those factors that's on a form whenever you apply for a loan, but they are analyzing you and they are trying to determine if you are credit worthy. So think about that next time you apply for a loan. Now FICO scores, highly predictive measures of the applicant and customer risk. So credit grantors, okay, can better determine which consumers to target how much credit to extend, and whether to raise the credit line. Now, credit scores, they're going to range from different scores. Um, I've heard rumors that this is about to change. They're kind of playing around, trying to tweak it, trying to make it a little bit more fair, a little more transparent. But as the current FICO scores sit today, it's going to range from 300 to 850. The lower the score, the worse. The higher the score, the better, better rate you're going to get on your credit. So from 300, it means your credit is shot. You probably have a lot of past due bills. You probably overextended your credit reach. 850 means you're very responsible to a banker's mind, and it's highly likely you can get a super low rate. <clears throat> now, should it be the goal of everybody try to achieve 850? I can tell you from a banking perspective, if you have 850 credit score, it's very difficult to get a loan for the fact that because you're such financially worthy in terms of FICO score, the rate is so low, the banks can't earn any money from you. So they don't real, so there's a certain pool between about 810 to 850 where they're not really interested in lending out to you. Now, it doesn't seem fair, right? But what they want to do is find that sweet spot, find that, you know, the middle class family who kind of has that high 600s to high 700 range 
of the scores because they can charge higher interest rates. That's why we saw automobiles for a long period of time from 5 to 6%, sometimes 8 to 9 if you had a lower score. And obviously after the financial crisis, they had to push money out to try to get the economy up and running again, which is why those rates had dropped down to such a low percentage because they weren't able to lend anything at that point in time. In fact, there was a point in time, I think for a couple of days, where it's actually negative interest rates where the bank was willing to lose money just to push it out. Just a little sidebar for you. Now, to have a credit score, one needs to have at least one open account for a period of time of, what they say, six months. So if you're fresh out of high school, just turned 18, you don't really have a credit score yet. And so you, you need about a six-month period to where the credit agency is now legally obligated to start tracking credit measures. So that's why, like, most 18-year-old teenagers, they don't have a credit score and they need to work towards one. But when you're interpreting the FICO score, the lower the number, like I said, means the less reliable that you are to creditors and lenders. The higher the score, the more trustworthy and dependable. Um, but sorry, but that's just the way it works. Okay, some industries actually interpret low scores as you will pay your bills late, and so therefore we're going to charge you higher fees. And I can tell you from a side perspective, that's actually very prof pro profitable for most banks. Uh, lenders, they rely on credit scores to determine rates of interest to charge. And what's interesting is the lower per interest rate that you have, the lower risk you are. The more risk, the higher the rate's going to be. And that's kind of how they determine that. Now, I wouldn't go out there and just immediately go purchase a credit report and credit score right away because you can get one free once a year at annualcreditreport.com. So once you do that first, check out that free report because you are authorized per Congress an annual credit report. So check that out. All right, so we're going to take a break here real quick, go to a commercial, and then when we get back, we're going to talk about what are they looking at to determine the FICO score? And so I'm going to break those out by percentages so that you can use those numbers to your advantage. All right, stay tuned. All right, welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much. So earlier we had talked about some different types of aspects of how to get a, a free annual credit report and then what are banks looking at. So now what I want to talk about is the formula for how they are calculating FICO scores. And this is the, probably the most important part because a lot of people don't know this, but if you use the numbers to your advantage, you can increase your credit score. And so I want you to think of a pie chart, okay? So we have a nice little pie chart right here, and we're gonna break it up into two percentages. That's the easiest way to do this because FICO actually provides us exactly how they are calculating credit scores. And so with a higher percentage of 35%, 35% of your credit score is based off of payment history. Now, payment history typically lasts about seven years. So if you're able to build up seven years of solid, clean payment history, that's going to, going to be very favorable towards your score. All right, so paying those bills on time, being responsible, is going to do wonders and drastically improve your credit score. Sliding down from 35%, now we're going to look at 30%. So 30% of this pie is going to be credit utilization. All right, so we just talked about 35%, now we're at 30%. So that, that means 65% of your score are going to be based on two factors. First one, we just talked about payment history. The second factor, credit utilization. So what is credit utilization? Let's say I give you a credit line for $1,000. If you were to immediately go out there and spend that credit line for $1,000, so you've used up every single dollar that I have lent you, 
your credit utilization now is 0% because you have nothing available within that $1,000 range. Same thing as a credit card. If you have, say, a $500 limit on your credit card and used all of it, maxed it out immediately, you have no utilization left. That is negative on your credit report, and you're going to see your credit score drastically reduce. Now, if I was to give you this credit line or this $1,000 credit limit on your credit cards and say you don't use it at all, you don't use it, use it at all. So every single month you have a zero balance or even, let's say, a super low balance. Your credit utilization rate is going to be close to 100%. That is highly favorable and it's going to work to your advantage. So just by paying those bills on time and not using that credit within that credit limit that you have, you're going to, going to drastically increase your score. Now sliding over, so now we're at 65%, we're going to add another 15% of that, and that's going to be credit age. Now for those who just turned 18, who's in the early 20s, you don't really have this yet. You, don't, you haven't established a long length of history on your credit score. And so I get it, it's not fair, but you know what, that's just the way that it is. Because those who are 30 and older, you know, they've been working, they've probably paid rent, they've had automobile loans, probably have a mortgage, have credit cards, whatever the case may be. They've proven that over a probably at least a 10-year period, how responsible they are with paying their bills on time, how responsible they are with their credit. So that's something to consider as well. So that means 80% of your credit score is just based on those three factors. So I want you to take a look at your credit report and figure out how well do you score with just those three categories, your payment history, your credit utilization, and then how long have you had that credit? And how clean is that credit? Okay, so 80% of that's gonna tell your score right there. And so if you're finding weaknesses within an 80% pool, that's gonna be a chance for you to really try to fix that. And so moving on up to 10% is different types of credit. Now, if you just have a mortgage, it's gonna be going to be very difficult to prove that, okay, they're responsible in these different categories of credit. Now, while I definitely don't preach that you should have credit, there's some cer certain situations where you should. Not everybody has $300,000 or $150,000 to go out and buy a mortgage or buy a house. That's just the way it works because we weren't really trained to save properly over time in our early 20s. So now we're kind of at the re-education tool. We're trying to, pr to promote that so that this younger generation can start being financially responsible. So by having different types of credits, I want you to think about consumer loans. These are loans that maybe you had like student loans that you have. That's going to be a type of loan. Credit cards, that's going to be an entirely different type of credit. So there, right there you have two different types of credits. Mortgage, very favorable as long as you keep paying those bills on time. That's going to be a huge piece to building, building your credit up. All right, so right there, just those three alone, we're proving that, yes, we can responsibly manage three different categories of credit. And then, so now that's at 90%, and then to fill in that last pie with the extra 10% to get 100% of the score is going to be the number of inquiries. If you've read my blog on dollarotter.com, I highly preach that whenever you sit there and apply for credit, it has a short-term negative impact to your credit score. So if you're out applying for a mortgage, it's exactly the same thing. If you're purchasing a mortgage and trying to get a mortgage loan, the first thing that real estate agents and mortgagers are going to tell you are do not go out and max out your credit card and furniture. Why is that? Because that opens up a number of inquiries into your credit report. That is negative. So a lot of people will dis disagree with me. But that's why they tell you that because what's going to happen is if you just applied for a mortgage, 
They're basing that credit or that yeah, that's credit score off of a snapshot in time. What they're gonna do is they're gonna repull that credit report probably 30, 60 days in during this process and figure out okay, what are they maxing out? Because that's gonna be a sign of risk of whether it's gonna impact your mortgage or not. So if you applied for a mortgage, it's currently pending, and then on the side you applied for three other loans, that's gonna show other inquiries. It increases the number of inquiries. So the higher the number of inquiries that you have in a short short period of time, it's gonna drop your score down. So I want you to think about that next time you apply for either like an automobile automobile loan, think back to so if you're applying for let me go back. So if you're applying for a loan. Do not pull multiple number of inquiries in credit. So don't apply for multiple loans at once. You want to space that out over time, at least probably, I'd say given at least once every 30 to 60 days. The exact number is unknown. Uh, FICO kind of flirts around with the number, but they don't exactly tell you. But you need to be cautious about that. And so when you combine all these together, that's going to give you 100% of the FICO score. Hey guys, I want to thank you so much for listening to episode 17 of the Dollar Otter Podcast. If you guys have any questions, shoot me an email at nick at dollarotter.com. And be sure to find us on Instagram at dollarotter underscore blog. I want to thank you so much once again for listening. You guys have a wonderful and blessed day.